0: by the OFS collector. Uh, you don't have to talk about like your age you know like sometimes whenever people are like tell me okay who's Tato hi I'm Tato I'm 28
1: I'm from the ball, I'm no
0: (laughs) you could just simply just say hi I'm Tato you know what man I'm a free spirit or anything that is in line with you just remain authentic and then we just can keep it short so that we can have an idea of everyone and what someone like someone is all about and what they like and so that we can actually get um, more in touch with each other throughout the entire conversation. Like I mean, Peter said that um, it is good that we're having these conversations. And from my side, please don't wait for me to point at you and ask you a question directly. If you would like to add on to what someone has said or you can relate to what someone has said and you just want to add on to that, can this just be like a free flow? So hi, everyone. Um, From my side, my name is Mbali. I think i'm a nice person so yeah i like people i love people a lot so i'm just passionate about holistic well-being so that's really just me um i can't pinpoint exactly what i do at first i could but things have changed in life like life changes a lot in a split second so um if i were to tell you about myself then it would be a whole memoir about myself but for now I am just passionate about holistic well-being. Damn, I love people a lot and I love conversations. So that's me from my side. And then next we'll take Tato. Hi Tato. Hi,
2: hi Mbali. Hi everyone, good morning. My name is Tato and I'm a teacher. I'm a free-spirited, um, a free spirit person. I love the kids. I love working with kids. I'm very passionate about, about kids and having to contribute towards the future uh i'm a talkative person guys i'm a talkative person yeah that's that's me man i love people as well so i'm um, i'm happy i'm happy to to be here with you guys and have this important conversation with you today yeah
0: nice to meet you Tato. i'm kidding <laughs> i know you i know you thanks Tato. and then the next one is mpohaimpo
3: um, hi Tato and hi everyone. Uh, my name is Mpopanda. I'm a teacher, I'm a content creator and I'm also an online tutor. I, teach, uh, I tutor English um, as a foreign language and yeah man, I'm also talkative. I like engaging with people, quite reserved and a bit uptight. But yeah, I like talking to people.
0: Thanks a lot Mpo. I think that's, so far that's all we, what we have in common. So about to hold the floor. Is-
1: <laughs> um hi everybody i'm swawato um uh, miss tulo is ready <laughs> i am miss tulo how about that um i am a high school teacher amongst other things i uh, love people i'm a big deal <laughs> i'm a big deal um i just want to make sure um i'm a writer which is an important part of who i am is definitely that i'm a writer i'm a podcaster as well so
0: yeah nice to meet all of you guys thank you so much for introductions and then by the time the others come on we'll also just learn a bit more about them so um today's topic is basically centered around teaching and what i love about all of this is because there's just like young teachers yeah so your experiences probably are different from the teachers of previous generations i know like from my side my mom says that teachers prior to the time of us were really passionate about their work and now times have changed, hence private schools and stuff like that. So we're just trying to get to the basis of things to find out if that is even true, you know, because you guys are the people who go out into the space every single day and you know the changes that come with everything, you know the kids, you can basically surround everything that surrounds the kids towards your your entire career. So with that being said, I love um, exploring expectations versus reality now when you go to varsity for example to go and study something in most occasions you find that by the time you get into the groundwork after the graduation it's not exactly what you thought it would be you know so now I'm um, the opening question for me in line with all of you so whoever can take the the answer can go ahead and like I said you can just flow with it so ever since you studied you know and you went to varsity you did your theories you did your exams and you did your practicals and all of that right through to landing a spot where you actually are doing the job in front of the kids and in front of those people. How has that been different for you? Like, was it what you expected? Was it less than what you expected? Was it worse than what you expected and everything in line with that time when you first familiarize yourself outside of uh, a technical institution right through to actually exercising um, what you needed to do with the kids. So opening floor is for for, can
3: I start with you please Okay, uh, no problem. Thank you so much for that question. Um, for me, it was quite challenging and I feel like my experience was actually worse than what I had expected because honestly, when I got to that school, I was still doing my honors degree and it was a mess, like it was a mess. And I feel like at varsity, they only prepared us for like the theory, you know? They didn't prepare us for like the actual classrooms, the dynamics that you might find in different schools. I'm in a public school And my first class was 63 learners. That was a lot. And we didn't have furniture. There were no resources. Um, There was no induction, no teacher support. A lot was going on. And honestly, I was really overwhelmed. And I also did question whether this was the right career for me. And in my first year, I really, really wanted to quit. So for me, my experience was worse than I had expected. So, yeah.
0: That is really insane. And I can see, like, Tato has facial expression. Um, it tells me that he wants to add on to something. So, Tato, we can continue.
2: Honestly, guys, what, what we learn in varsity is completely different from what's going on <laughs> in the ground. Because I also work in a in a public school. And the numbers, the numbers are a problem because you are never equipped with enough um, theoretical knowledge on how to work with, with big numbers. So it becomes a shock, especially when you are meeting with different personalities in the classroom with 47 learners, different personalities, and you just have to find your way around getting to know each and every learner, which is a mammoth task, honestly, to get to know everyone within that short period. Uh, period of time that you are with the kids because with me I, I move from trust to trust. so the is differ you get 47 in this class you get 48 you get 35 in the next trust, and it is your responsibility as a teacher to know each and every child within an hour within an hour and be able also to call them by name so that is the most challenging thing when I started with my teaching and also the induction process it's it's not fully implemented, you know. You you learn as you as you go. You learn as you go, and it becomes such uh, a challenge for for a new teacher, honestly, to get your feet up, you know. So yeah.
0: So the technicalities, basically, versus the actual doing of of the work, was two different, two different, two different things. <laughs> two different poly- things. Honestly. And then Sababa, so how did you get into this like educational space? I'm actually dying to know.
1: Um, but maybe first, I want to say um, my experience was a bliss. I felt very well prepared. I was one, I'd never stopped working with teenagers from, um, from the get-go. And I went into a public school and see, I always say to people, I didn't play myself um, when I was doing teaching practicals. I didn't go to these fancy schools to do my teaching practicals. I went to the rule of rule of rule. So by the time I started working, I was ready. I knew what I was going, like I was ready. I was I was ready, but as for what happened, how I got into it, I said to everyone, teaching chose me. Um, Teaching chose me. I was stuck. <laughs> I was stuck. And it so happened that... Um, as I was stuck and I wasn't sure what, like, what was I gonna do next and whatever, um, I had already applied for uh, to study education, and it so happened that there was already a bursary. I had already received the bursary and my mom was kind of like, mm, "Okay, it's, this is the, the these are the stars talking. Um, you go into that field." So everything was already aligned, but I always say it chose me. And when it happened, I was so ready for it because I love and I was very young, like I started working at the age of 21 and I never stopped working with kids. So I was ready to play. I was ready to chase people around like I was very playful. So I had like because I also started when I started working, I was in a township and I had 50 something learners in my class and it was a bliss it was a, it was so, my classes were so chaotic, still chaotic till today, but, then I always say the chaos is caused by me. I am responsible for the chaos in my classroom because it's, it is me who's loud. It is me who walks in ready to dance. It is me who starts singing. Like I'm, I'm a mess really. And I love, it's been a bliss. It has really, really been a bliss.
0: I am so like happy that I'm um, also, your story is different. So what I'm getting from this is that like, in terms of the transition from the technicalities of of school to the induction process that schools need to do, especially in public schools, is actually of great importance than we realize. I think that's also part of why um, the older generation says things like, "Okay, no teachers in the past had a greater passion, but it could turn out that um, the systems that are in place right now, they're not really fully implemented to allow teachers of this day and era to operate freely and actually have that understanding. So sometimes it's not even a lack of passion. It's just the the systems that surround that environment. And like with you, you said like it's a calling and you felt really ready for that. And I can I can say personally for myself that it is really good that you're saying that um you took it upon yourself for your practicals to not go to what we call fancy schools. Because I know from my side also with people who did teaching who were my friends at UJ did, you know, like private school private school kind of work and everything for their practicals. It wasn't really like a township school, but it's so good to still hear somebody who's still passionate about the fact that they can operate um, within whichever school that they were put in. And I can tell from all three of you that that is the case. So you're not complaining about the job itself or the profession itself. It's more of like the systems that are in place that you weren't really prepared for, like the differences between the transition from varsity to the technicalities that I at schools. And then, with that being said, like, you know, these questions that um, are surrounded around the respect that uh, um, comes with teachers. I know, like, with other countries, you find that teachers are really high paid earners. Like, they, they get paid a lot and they are seen as like the beacon or rather like the backbone of that country. Whereas other people would say it's not the same in essay. So, in your profession, this is a question imposed to all of you, actually. Do you feel respected as teachers? Do you feel like your, your profession is actually respected in the country? So we'll first go with Mpo.
3: No, no, I don't think we are respected as teachers from the parents, from the education system as a whole, society, the government, the department itself. I honestly don't feel that we get enough credit. Um, teachers really do a lot. And I do believe that we need to be recognized and we need to be respected for all the work that we put in. In terms of the financial aspect, being compared to other countries where you're saying that um, in other countries, teachers get paid well and all of that. Financially, also, I don't think we are respected. So, me, personally, I don't think so. No, I don't think we are respected enough. Yes, there are some people who do respect us, but I think that people can do more because we put in quite a lot and I do believe that appreciation would really go a long way.
0: That's, That's really good. Thank you so much for your honesty. Would you say you have the same experience, Tato, like in terms of the respect when it comes to um, the face of teachers? Yeah,
2: to the, ha, we're not... We're not from the mere fact that the Minister of Education said, <laughs> I remember during um, COVID. Um, Teachers, you guys have been sitting at home yeah. doing nothing. And from that near saying that she said, I felt disrespected by her <laughs> starting there that you already know that our salary is And then here you are announcing it to the world that come on give us some respect hey we are doing so much work for you to ridicule us like that live on tv so if if the minister herself is not respecting us enough how are the parents going to respect us well and also one other thing um the older generation now i'm talking about the parents they still put teachers up there. There's still that respect that you get from the older generation, your grandparents. Remember now we're dealing with people around our ages and we're teaching their kids. So it it so happens that when you are having a parents meeting and you can see that generation gap and the value that teachers used to have in the olden days, You see it from the interactions that you have with the older generation, your grandparents. And then we switch to the younger generation, the respect is not not there. The value for education is not there. And then that's where you can see that, hey, actually no wonder why these kids are like this because they see how their parents are treating us. There's no respect at all. So I, I, I also think that we're not being respected enough by by the parents and also by 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 our department honestly yeah. there is a correlation
0: between um how how the parents treat the teachers and the kids teach i mean i'm um, treat the, the teachers as well because i know that um whenever you see stories um outbreaks of of kids like okay there was this really um i don't know i'm very sorry <laughs> to say that it was really funny but i found it really Funny. So there was a, a, an outbreak in the classroom and then there was a child who was like who jumped on the teachers. back. it was it was really like um, nothing I had ever seen before, you know, like that happening in a classroom. And now I saw another teacher writing something about Umadiba, a song on the board. And it was a whole class dancing. And then like kids were busy, like doing like that whole dance in line with my divine, like those things, when my mom sees those things, she she can't believe that this is actually happening, you know, and even the, the changes in, in teachers' meetings as well, as well, I really do agree because even in schools, when we were still in school, how 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 parents would would speak to the teachers, it's like the teachers right before the child, but right now, with parents, it's always, it's you are not doing your job, why is my child failing, why is this, and why is this, and why is that, versus like, Back then, it would be like, okay, Tato, you doing something wrong? Why aren't you listening in class? Or why aren't mm. you doing your? And dynamics have changed. And so, would you say you feel respected in the profession that you're in?
1: Um, I agree with what both what Paul and Tato said. No, and really, from the department, the way that the department treats its teachers is insane. From the like, how. The department doesn't respect their teachers, really. They don't. Let's just talk about how um, I think we're the only career that works overtime and doesn't get overtime. Let's just start like that's a basic. We work over hours, but we don't get overtime. Um, we're not protected. And the way that the department doesn't see us, and what I mean by that is you can see by how the system is set up in terms of if I'm a teacher, every career has a I, I moved from here and now I'm in the next phase. And I mean, you understand there's chances and there's like, I can grow, but there's almost as if the department doesn't give us room to grow, doesn't give us, there's just by, and, and really, really, I'm arguing the fact that look at how many, now I'm talking about government schools, the number of posts that the department gives to each school. That's in, in the terms of managerial posts. There should be more because it says, like, how, how do you say a school's got 400 students and it can only have like one principal and three HODs and this, you get what I'm saying. And that's, there's a, there's a disrespect there in terms of how the department um, pays their teachers or doesn't pay their teachers. There's a disrespect in um, um, resources. Like, how do you not deliver resources? Like, what do you think? You don't deliver resources, you don't give the schools enough money. What like what's the plan? And yet you have the audacity to stand up and expect what you expect and expect the results that you expect. You but you didn't bring your part. Do you get you like that? The, I feel department doesn't support its teachers at all, at all, at all, at all. Um, and then uh, like both they said about the parents thing, then it's the parents. And I always say parents should be sucking up to teachers because your child's future, who your child becomes is low-key up to me. You get what I'm saying? And if you, I am so important to your parent. Like I matter to the parent. The parent should almost make sure that we get along. Like I don't get the parents that come to schools and fight with teachers. As if you, like your well-being of your child is on me. As your, as your child's teacher. I It's my responsibility um, to ensure, like you can teach your child moral, morals and values, but who your child becomes in society and it really has to do with what I said or what I didn't say, what I taught your child or what I didn't teach your child. So the respect there, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not.
0: And that's really, really true. I remember like this one time in high school, um, a teacher literally told me that um, whenever we do reports, a child, I cannot give a child zero because the department is going to ask me why I gave a child zero, even though that child did not want to deliver a speech. So I must at least give that person a one. It also goes back to um, what you guys are saying with, with, with r- rural schools or other like township schools. There's extensive, there's a number of kids. There's a lot of number of kids because I've seen five kids in township school share one textbook. And for me, that didn't even make, it didn't even make sense. And then at the end of the day, as the government, you come in, and then instead of um, basically being able to to even up the pass rate, you have to keep it at a minimum, just so that it doesn't um, it doesn't look it doesn't even look bad. You know, like our pass rates are really bad. From my side, I feel like as a country, we really are working at um, a very bad
1: line. And and sorry, Bali. Um, to catch yeah. you, I just adding on the textbook story. I want to tell you all a very sad story. So there's something called um, concessions. This is if a child has an issue, say they've got uh any um they've got any special need, so to speak. This now has to do with their writing of the final exams, right? So you can apply for a child's concession to say maybe the student needs a little bit more time. Um, but there was one incident that I saw. And I'm I'm actually um, getting a bit choked up just thinking about it. Um, where what the department did was this uh this girl couldn't see properly. She had a um so a visual impairment situation. The for the exam paper, the here comes the department. Of course, they give her this enlarged exam paper, right? To accommodate her. But my question is, what was the child using to study? Her textbooks aren't enlarged. Like I, you get what I'm saying? The textbooks weren't enlarged. There were no other material throughout. Oh, but now for the exam, let's just bring this child a bit like that for me was when I say the department doesn't care about its teachers nor about their students, that's on that.
0: And it is displaying a, a lack of sense of care because I mean, this entire time you didn't give this person the necessary tools. And then it's only in the end, just so that that person writes it doesn't make sense. I mean, if you can enlarge an exam paper, you surely can enlarge textbooks. You surely can do way more. You, you surely because now it seems that like the child is being blamed for for issues that are beyond her control. And also, I know that you said you're right. And then in the uh, you spoke about parents as well because um you know with parents you spend you as educators you spend oh almost such a, a, a large part of an entire day or rather an entire life with with students and um, you're not, I wouldn't say you're not responsible for for um, their morals and their values and stuff. But on most occasions, since you you need that respect from that parent, because I know a lot of parents are, are constantly busy. Of course, I don't blame some parents because yes, we have to work and we have to pay for school fees and stuff like that. But you come into contact with different, like Tato said earlier, different personalities. Some people like values. Some people have values and kids basically carry what, what their home comprises of to you. So in dear black Parent, tell me, do you think it's 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 a book that you wrote in relation to your profession? Is that what inspired it?
1: Um definitely because the, the book is titled Dear Black Parents, um, a letter from your child's teacher. It's exactly rooted in um what inspired it was there were so many issues that I found in my classroom that were related to these were parental issues, this had to do with, this was, I almost want to say this was um, the intention for Dear Black Parents was for parents to see that how they raise their children will influence the type of student that ends up in my classroom. That's really at the core what I was saying. Um, And so in hopes that I had a a friend, I had a conversation with another friend and I was saying, why do you think Dear Black Parents resonated so much with so many people? Um, And she said for her, it was for the first time because she's got a little four year old. And she said for her, it opened her eyes to see that she should have a relationship with her child's teacher because it's there should be constant communication between teacher and parent, because the goal is to raise an individual who is whole, an individual who will matter to society, an individual who will make a difference in society, right? And the only way we can do that is I say, if it takes a village to raise a child, as a teacher, I am your village, uh, you know, I'm your village, you know, and you need to, we need to be in continuous um, conversation between parent and teacher, we need to work together. I, as a teacher, can't raise the individual alone and you as a parent cannot do this by yourself. So Dear Black Parents was really at the core inspired by there has to be a flow. I hope I hope you see that I see you. Um, when I've met your child, I can see you as a parent. When I listen to how your child speaks, I already know that, oh, it's probably how their mama speak. Um, when a child does something, I've met so much of who you are as a parent in your child.
0: Thank you so much. And it I, for lack of a better phrase, you people like educators are actually co parents <laughs> in a sense. You are actually co parenting. You are co parenting. And thank you so much for that. And Paul. I know that with teachers, you guys work overtime. Even though you your knockoff time is like 2 o'clock, there are deadlines involved. I know that I've seen teachers carry their work to home to go and mark because a uh-huh. uh, certain deadline. <laughs> Look at that, though. <laughs> To go and mark and complete spreadsheets and, and all of that. All I want to know is, I know that there's a YouTube channel that you have. I'm trying to understand... Yeah. What is going on? How do you balance your hobbies and all of this, everything in between? How, how how are you doing this? How are you doing?
3: It's a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot. And last year, I think I had a mental breakdown. It was a lot because I was doing my nine to five and then I was teaching English online. So I would wake up like at half past three in the morning and then get ready for work and then come back later, do my online classes. And then on weekends, I'm trying to record a video for YouTube. At first, it was exciting, you know, because I'm a person who believes in multiple streams of income. And I just believe that, you know, you must be busy. You can't just have one source of income. So. I did everything that I could do, but then I experienced a burnout. I had fatigue, and that really affected my effectiveness in class. And there were days where I just felt tired. I felt sleepy, and I had to cut down some of the things that I was doing. It's a lot, honestly. And it does affect you mentally. It affects you physically. I had to go see the doctor a couple of times. And I think when you talk to other people about it, they look at you and be like, But nobody asked you to do all those things. But like YouTube is not that difficult. I mean, teaching is so easy. People don't get it. I have a colleague right now who's at home for six months because she's suffering from depression and the amount of work that she has. And we don't have enough conversations about mental health, fatigue, you know, and I feel like people take this for granted. It is a lot, it is a lot, but I think also as an individual, it is your responsibility to prioritize your mental health. So what I did was that I just had to put certain things aside and I had to prioritize my health, but now I'm in a much better space and I think also the, you know, COVID itself, like rotation, different classes, different timetables, that also affected me. But now I'm in a better space. I have a schedule. I know when I shoot for YouTube. I know when I need to put out content. And it's so much better. Like, it's so much better. I'm in a better space now. Yeah, but it was overwhelming at first.
0: I'm really so happy for you. I'm really so happy for you. And also just like to, to, to ask you like another question on top of that. Do you think like, your youtube channel in any way um it has a lot to do with 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 your teaching as well like i asked i asked them um, so about her her book you know like do you think with yeah. your youtube it's inspired by the profession that you that you at right now does it help you absolutely mm mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when I I started with this profession, there was so much information that was not there for me. So like we mentioned earlier, the induction process, there's so many things you don't know. Um, They are like, um, for instance, like benefits, teacher benefits, there's housing subsidy. There's so many things that you don't know about, but they don't tell us about these things. And then the tips that you need for an interview, um, there are other people who, when they get a job, they don't get paid immediately. Some people don't get paid after three months. So, you know, So I wanted to share that experience with people because for me, it was difficult. I felt like I needed somebody who would share their experience with me. So I feel like, yes, my YouTube channel is inspired by what I do. And also I know that there's so many students in varsity who watch my YouTube channel. And I believe that in a way, this might uh, maybe inspire or motivate them. And yeah, that's really what I think, yeah.
0: Um, Thank you so much for that. And please do share your channel because I am definitely going in i'm going to like i said to sir about her podcast i'm coming into that car and we're going to have conversations more conversations in the car just hope that there's wine there Tato, how do you balance how do you balance because clearly you just showed me your work already i'm stressed (laughs) i am stressed what is happening how are you balancing out your hobbies what are you doing when you're not doing work
2: when you're not doing I'm, hearing, work. I'm hearing what my fellow colleagues are saying here, that they're pushing other side hustles. You know how <laughs> my, my boyfriend is actually here, yeah, and I think when when Impost said when um, I'm tutoring on the side and he just gave me a side eye like, mm, I've been telling you, and I'm like, I can't. Honestly, I can't. With the amount of work that I have to do, I can't. And now I'm the sleepist, guys. I love my sleep, I put my mental health up there. If I want to sleep, I want to sleep. <laughs> if I want to sleep, I want to sleep. So it comes across as if I don't want to do all of these extra mural things. But yet again, I'm like, you know what? This is what I'm paid to do. Yes, I want to do all of these things on the side. But I haven't found that, that time, you know, and schedule to work around my things. So I'm also learning from, Mpo and Zbaba so what they do on that spare time, how they're able to do it. But honestly, I I haven't found that niche yet. I really haven't found it. So, I'll 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 get there. I'll get there. Um, and one other thing, Baba. So I need to have a copy of that book. I really do need to have a copy of of that book so that I can read it and also share it with my colleagues as well. Um, guys, we're talking about. A whole lot of work that we're doing the work we're talking about a whole lot of work that we're doing
3: mm.
2: it's the paperwork that's just crazy where i feel like the department <laughs> honestly they have to introduce for ir right now we are just tired of the amount of paperwork that we have to do and some of the things you look at them and you this is a repetition I have to do this thing manually. And then also I have to put this thing on a computer. Like, come on, decide, where do you want this? On paper or on the computer, where do you want this thing? So we are overworked, we are overworked. And on top of that, during weekends, you have to mark and you have to do your lesson preparations. And you also have a life. So one of the reasons why, honestly, I struggle to do all of these side hustles is that if I'm someone who's in a relationship, guys, now it means that I have to chow his time. (laughs) And he's going to complain that I'm immersed in work. But I'm like, this is what you said I should do. So I've got my work. That's already a lot. And then now these side hustles that you're talking about, tutoring, having extra trusses, all of these things, I don't have it. I'm overworked. At work, I'm the LTSM coordinator. Guys, you guys, who of you are in committees? (laughs) Who of you are in committees?
1: I am. I am too. I
3: am too. (laughs) But my committee is not that hectic. I'm in the induction committee, so we don't do much, honestly. My committee is pretty chill.
2: Oh, that's good. You guys have an induction committee. That's that's good. we don't we we don't have that. Where I work you learn as you go. Hey, you learn as you go. You see what the other teachers are doing, and then you look at yourself and then you ask yourself, will this work for me? Oh, okay, cool. Trial and error. That's trial and error. That's how I learn. It's just there on paper. It's just there on on paper.
3: Yeah, it's just there on paper. We have never done anything since. Sorry to cut you off, but it's just there on paper. Like- and also,
2: Mbali, <laughs> you, were, you were talking about, um, what is it, the concessions? I was talking about the concessions. Um, we do have learners that are struggling because at the back of my head right now, I'm like, there are people who are watching this and they want to learn more about the background things that they don't know about education. And in terms of resources, I mean, schools do get budgets, right? You have your LTSM coordinators. You have kids that struggle, that have learning um, problems in the classroom and all of that. And it is the responsibility of the school to identify those needs and bring them to the attention of the LTSM coordinator. In terms of textbooks, like you said, that the textbooks, it's small fonts but you've got learners that are visually impaired, now what happens? So if that is not being brought to the attention of the coordinator and the SMT, they're not going to know what to order. And also as teachers, some of us, we did not study psychology and we are expected to do referrals. It becomes hard during the diagnosis stage where you have to diagnose a child at the beginning of the term, the learning challenges that the child goes through. It's just wow. a whole, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, honestly. It really is.
0: And because you said that about the, the whole part of you not knowing psychology and um comparing yourself to to maybe, let's say, for example, you feel that Mpo has a side hustle or So has written a book and then you feel like um you haven't done any side hustle or whatever. It should be like a, a, an issue where you feel bad about it because I'm um, like Paul said. i um, at the end of the day, as grown-ups, we are responsible for taking care of our mental health and prioritizing something. Um, in comparison to what s- someone else is prioritizing, does not mean that you don't have any priorities. I mean, you might be dealing with um, children who actually need diagnosis, who need more time, or who need more attention, or need, and you have maybe a lover that you are committed to within that working space. And you're still doing a great job, regardless of whether you have written a book or not. And you might find that maybe Sila, Sila is not married or does not have a partner. Or maybe her, she's directing her passion. Hey, say, I'm a boy. Should I drop Single Ladies by Beyonce? <laughs>
1: this would be the right time. And, and, and this no. would be the right time. This would be the no. great right time to drop Drop the record, girl. Drop the record. <laughs> Please,
3: Please call me out of that. Please call me out of that. No. <laughs> I am not single. I'll sing to
0: her in her podcast in the car one day. I'll sing it to her. Okay. But, <laughs> but really, don't be too, like, don't feel too bad about I'm not having, Um, I don't even think with their side hustle, they're also finding ways to deal with navigating the space because when she's basically with a, a YouTube channel, she's teaching other people to like navigate spaces better. And then when Sibabat was also writing a book, um, she's also um, teaching parents more than they actually thought they knew. And then with you as well, by loving your partner and actually being um, invested in actually understanding psychology so that you can process a referral for a child, you're doing way more than you're supposed to be doing. And that's not even really part of your job description, but you're doing over time. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. say the side hustle, Kinda like a side hustle, but it's still the same thing. I just want to ask like two last questions because I know we have to all go it. Eh? Can't stay here the whole day. And I know you guys have lives and side hustles. You know, maybe somebody needs to write another book. We don't know. Somebody needs to go on some content and some someone needs to go and love someone. I'll just Someone. All right. <laughs> so um in terms of like social media um for kids, how would you how would you guys say it helps do you think it destroys i won't say destroy but it destroys the sector in which you guys are working in or does it amplify like does it make it better um also please link that in line with the the differences between the times of covid where you had to work and where you have one-on-one sessions with with kids so i'm just basically touched base on both of those things so with social media in terms of 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 everything that's around how your profession works when kids come into your space and everything in line with that and the differences those obstacles that you might have faced during the pandemic versus when you see kids do you prefer to work under COVID conditions or do you prefer to see your kids every day and everything in line with that so anyone who wants to go first can go first I'll take some about space
1: <laughs> Um, for me, maybe my circumstances were a bit different because, um, I didn't, our school was very small. I'm teaching at a different school now, but our school is very small. So we didn't, although we were affected by COVID a lot, but we still had all our learners come to school every day, but we just had, um, the measures in between. Um, but the social media thing is a very tricky thing to navigate. Um, I feel um, I feel, yes, it was very helpful when we were um, in lockdown and we didn't know what was going to happen and things like that. And there were, because um, I've been a matric teacher since the beginning and there was the, are the kids going to write final exams? Are they not going to write? Um, so so I saw the need for social media and it was important for that class to get trained on because I, I think I had uh, Google Meets classes where we were having classes just to go over some content and it prepared the learners for what they were going to find in varsity because then of course most varsity started going through the virtual routes so then the learners were sort of kind of starting to get into the idea of okay we learn via social media so I really Mm -hmm. saw it being beneficial but also my school does this really cool thing where in the mornings. Um, and we also know how social media is tricky because social media is dangerous right social media is very dangerous um but what happens at my school is the cell, every morning the learners have to hand in their cell phones love it love it love it i love that for us so every morning the learners hand in their cell phones so we don't have cell phone like we don't have cell phones disrupting throughout the day and 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 and, and so um, my situation is a little bit different so I can't complain too much I, like I, I would let I, I me not say that but I don't know what I would do if I'd come in a class and children are busy with their phone like I don't know like I don't know that life I really don't know that life so yeah
0: that's actually a very great thing that the school implemented I, I support that but that's my personal opinion too I would love I would love to see I would love to see classes where phones are really not present it basically just goes back to whenever I go out with anyone and then they're constantly on their phones I'm like okay but you could have let me stay at home you know (laughs) so please (laughs) like I could have just stayed at home you know and then for for transition from COVID times to to coming back to kids and all of that how's that how's that
3: Um, Honestly, I prefer having the kids like right now because during COVID, it was difficult for us. I'm in a very big school, a very huge school. We have about like 2000 learners. So that's a lot. So the rotation timetable was not working for us. This meant that grade nine learners would only attend twice a month because of the rotation. So if they come today, another group comes tomorrow, another group comes the following day, and they're only going to come that following week because we have so many learners. So that did not work at all. And then secondly, we tried to use social media. We tried WhatsApp. Um, We created like WhatsApp groups. It didn't work because you would send an activity and then some learners would say they didn't have data or they don't have cell phones or they're using their parents' cell phones and they don't know their cell phone numbers and all of that. So it was very chaotic. I did create a group, but it didn't work. And it was very problematic. So I think uh, that um, during covid our kids really missed out on learning. The actual teaching and learning did not take place. We are now dealing with a problem where we need to cover the work from the previous year and this year because they actually missed out on like a year. So um, I prefer this time currently because we're able to see them almost every day. We're able to cover work and able to do a lot. And then in terms of social media, I personally think that um, it's a bit of both. It can be good, it can be bad, depending on the school that you're working at. And and I also think that social media is very dangerous and very harmful. We know the situation of a girl from Toyando who committed suicide because of, you know, the video that they took of her. And then it went viral in social media on our school as well. Um, we had a kid who was cyberbullied online. And I think for those reasons, social media can be quite problematic. These learners at my school, they can bring their cell phones and they might take a picture of you in class or take a video of you doing something and then they can post it and it goes viral. So I think maybe if we can understand or educate our learners on how to use maybe social media, of which I think is going to be very difficult to do, then maybe we can use it. But for those reasons like cyberbullying, you know, inappropriate videos going online, these learners stalk us also on our social media they send us dms they send us messages so it's quite a lot it's quite a lot so for me i think it's a bit tricky it's a bit tricky and yeah this is the time that i prefer right now interacting one-on-one with my learners and seeing them every single day
0: yeah and that's brilliant that's brilliant because yeah it's been tough like since the the whole COVID times and especially like for everyone who is in a learning institution not just like primary school or high school Yeah, kind of because the time, that whole pandemic broke out. There were learners who really did say that my marks are dropping because, let's say, I was at varsity. I would use what you call the D-Labs. That's where all the computers are. So that's where they would do assignments and do everything. So these are people who are, who really, as it stands, don't even have laptops and everything and everything. Okay. Then the school that will give you guys 10 gigs a month, which is also not enough for those assignments, for you to download documents, for you to even like see the video of a yeah. lecturer and have access to a laptop so you're doing it via your phone if you even like enough to to own a smartphone so also with kids also i think i it's it's, it's really better for them to mm-hmm. to be back again and then tato from your side covid versus now
2: guys i i prefer it's oh, my mic on oh, now honestly i i prefer working with these kids now, post-COVID and everything, like having them all together in one trust. The rotation system was just a nightmare. Having to repeat a lesson two times. (laughs) No, that was a lot of work. No, guys, that was a lot of work. And you'd find that with, during COVID, you'd find that with group A, because now these are the first learners that you are maybe let's say you're starting your first lesson with for the week, you find that I with group A you know what my lesson was not was not on par because now I'm introducing this thing now it's new to them, um, and then you move to group B and then you realize that, hey, sh- you know I missed something with group with group A and I have to wait for them. When am I going to see them on Wednesday? Whew. And then you forget on Wednesday that. Oh, this is what I wanted to correct with group A. When am I going to see them again? On Friday. Ooh. On Friday, I have to teach something else. So the repetition, oh, it was just uh, it was just a lot. So I, honestly, I prefer having them all back. 47 of them. One lesson, I'm done. Tomorrow, <laughs> it's something else. <laughs> Tomorrow, it's something else that I have to deal with. But right now, as educators... Now here comes an extra work for us. I remember last week I went to a workshop for recovery. I don't know if you guys have that workshop wherever you are the, what is it? um, That the education is currently working on the education curriculum recovery. I don't know if you guys have went to, to that workshop. So now what they're doing is that we need to have extra classes to recover because high school educators are complaining that you know what? we are realizing that there's a gap. There's content that the kids missed out during COVID. And now this challenge, we are having it here in high school. So the teachers there in primary school, they have to work extra hard to recover what was lost during COVID. So now that's bringing us another workload again, because we have to have recovery lessons now recovery timetable it's the normal school timetable and we also have recovery timetable as well to recover all of that work that was missed during covid so right now we're playing catch up so it's catch up it's having to deal with learners that have learning problems that you have to refer to your schools that are not mainstream so it's just a it's just a whole lot of work guys that we're now facing post COVID About social media Where there's a teacher There's a learner guys Where there's a teacher There's a learner You do get those DMs <laughs> <laughs> you, do get, you do get those DMs guys And I just I just block honestly What am I going to say To the kids What am I going to say I'm still I still find it hard To navigate Having kids Following me I guys, I don't know how you do it Please just share light on it I don't know Since you are in high school, it's a challenge. In primary, I don't have much of a challenge, honestly, because most of my kids are not, are not there. But in high school, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't know.
0: And right now, like, it has gotten to, to, to a point where my 2000, social media, my 2000, it's just them, they're ruling these streets of social media. Like, it's them, it's, we're thinking it's their playground. They're always like they're always, always there. So before we actually wrap up, guys, I have like uh last question. This is like imposed to like all of all three of you. Um okay, we're very aware. I'm actually more aware right now that there's still so much to be done for for educators in in, in the South African context. Oh my goodness, you guys are doing so much. My word. After <laughs> here, yeah, I'm not gonna complain about my job because wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's so much. There is so much. I couldn't for the life of me like think of on a daily basis like one class, like how Tato changes classes, and then it's forty-seven kids, then it's fifty-three, then tomorrow it's ten, then tomorrow it's sixty learners in a school of two thousand. It's 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 just a lot. It's a lot going on. But also on a positive note, I know that as much as there are issues um, surrounding the the not so good things about um, the processes with your profession, but I also know that um, there are some some good aspects about it, and I think that's why all of you are still in this profession that you're in. So, I would like for you guys to just briefly touch on your best experience ever since you stepped into this profession. And on top of that, because now um, there are a lot of people. There's still a lot of young people who are passionate about like empowering. They say as a whole, and do want to go into that educational space and be educators. But how? how the world sees educators and that profession right now. It's not like previously, like right now it's different because you see teachers hitting kids, even in crash days and all of that. So people are a bit skeptical and as much as they want to to become educators, it's really tough for them to, to want to become educators. So I just want you to also give out just a young tip to people who are pursuing education in varsity spaces, just to keep them going and to say that, yes, it's okay. And um, there are a lot of things that need to be fixed, but then don't lose faith or don't just go into education for the sake of um, a bursary or for the sake of uh, whatever it is that you feel that the people in varsity right now who are currently doing um, the very same thing that you guys are doing need to know. And then on top of that, just share briefly what has been a best experience since you started this profession, despite the gloomy parts of it. So we can start with um, anyone who wants to go first can go first. I um,
3: okay, I think, okay, you can go. Um, I think for me, wait, uh, before, I just want to rectify that number. It's actually 1.5 learners, not 2,000. I'm sorry about that. And then, Tato, I just want to talk about, um, you mentioned, um, you wonder how we deal with, you know, social media and all of that. With me being on YouTube, my kids already know that I have a YouTube channel. They even follow me and all that. But I think what's important is for you to set boundaries and they should just know that there's limits and they cannot have access to your private life. I always set boundaries. I'm a very firm and strict teacher so they know that. Um, and then to answer your question, wow, and when I think about it, there isn't really like a lot that has been so good for me, but also I think it would be unfair to say everything is just bad, you know And my kids, I think my kids has been the best part of this experience, especially this year. I have the sweetest kids. you know, they respect me so much and to them they see a mother and they tell me that they look up to me, and that's really beautiful. And also with my content that I put out there, I see that I'm able to help so many people who would love to become teachers one day. They ask me so much questions. And I think just being able to inspire and motivate and change a person's life and just, you know, impart knowledge on somebody, that for me is one of the greatest things ever. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. I think what the sweetest thing for me, like, okay, I'm a baby, okay? So whenever you say, like, my kids, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I
3: know they're the sweetest. Yeah, that's the best part of it. They're the so conversations beautiful. you have with them, it's so beautiful. They share a lot with me. Some you know, It's a, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Mpo. And thank you so much for also admitting that it's not entirely bad, you know? <laughs> it's, it's not, stupid. no, it's not. Yeah, what I'm getting from this, it's more of like system failures than the profession itself,
3: absolutely, you know Absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah Alright, um, we're going to wrap it up, it's going to be Tato and then say bye. so then we're going to rock out and you guys can go and enjoy your weekend and have a great time and go and love your, your partners and go and create content
2: <laughs> Mbali um, um, please stop this thing please stop <laughs> Butting, butting. Okay, fine. We're here. <laughs> Honestly, guys, I, I I, love my profession. I, I love it. I love it. I, but you remember when you, I think it was Baba's launch, sorry to deviate, when you asked me about my profession and I still have that video. And I'm like, you know what, guys? If, if this is not a calling, I don't know what it is. It is a calling. It is a work of heart for me. It really is because my grandmother is a teacher, my grandfather is a teacher, and I would see all of these kids coming to visit them, even in their old age. And I'm like, do I have celebrities here in the house? or what's going on? Because there'd be this excitement when they get to see them, even in their old age. And that's what inspired me to actually become a teacher Yo, i i want the community to look at me the way they're looking at my grandmother you know even at her in her in her old age she's she's 95 this year and she still gets those visits you know from the learners that she taught and i honestly chose this profession that it's a it's the giving thing it is it is a giving thing i love imparting knowledge i love meeting up with people and having conversations even though sometimes when you work with young kids the conversations just tend to go left but there's something that we also learn from these kids as young as they are let me tell you buddy. there's something that you learn from them you learn patience number one you get to be very patient working with kids and somehow this also helps you in your friendships in your relationships that you honestly become a patient person and you become. A good listener, because where do you get the practice? You get it from the kids. You get it from the kids. So they also day help day. us. Yeah, you also have, they also help us in turn. Um, I wouldn't trade this profession for nothing. Even though, guys, we don't earn a lot of money, but it is honestly up to us. I applaud what you guys are doing on the side. You know, you don't have to think about the money, the extra money, and everything. You keeping yourself busy out there. You're like, you know what? Department pause pauses for now, right? Now let me just do me. You never know who's looking. You never know who's looking. Next time I'll be seeing go these channels, teaching there on TV. You never know someone is looking, you know? And one of the things that I like about my profession, especially as a language teacher, and you give them the opportunity to write essays and the topic would be, Tell me about your favorite teacher. And then that's where you get to see that. Oh, oh, this is how much I mean to them. I mean, buddy, I've got a I've got a lot of letters. There are letters that I keep. I keep them in a jar. Whenever, whenever I'm down and I'm like, you know what, this profession right now, I'm over I just look at those letters. I read them over and over again. And I'm like, you know what, you are doing something good here. Do not fail these kids. I mean, some of them, you are the only hope to break the cycle of poverty. You are the only hope. You going to class, you are inspiring them to do better. And one other thing, guys, that I would like to encourage all of us to do, you know, out of your, I don't know, 40 minutes, whatever, just spend that five minutes. You know, we have that rose of a teacher, the pastoral care. Motivate, motivate them because. Some of them come from families where they are not told that, you know what, you are the best. And you can do so much more with the the talent. Some of them are talented. Let me tell you about Some of them are not book smart, but they're talented in something else. So what they usually do, these kids, is that, they would focus more on the talent and neglect the education part of it. I know that I have a learner that's good in sports and I would encourage him to do well in sports, but also I'm like, how are you going to sign contracts if you don't make an effort to read? You understand? So, in as much as you are talented, but hey, come on, you need education. You need it, come on, you can do this. So if we can also have that element of motivation, let it not always be about curriculum, curriculum, curriculum. Sometimes just take five minutes out of your time, speak from from the heart, you know, and that's how you create connection with your kids. So yeah,
0: you've said like you've left no stone unturned. Like um, I know, I feel like also on most occasions it's it's very tough for. For teachers to actually perceive themselves as so great, because yo, you guys are really like very fantastic. And how you saying, um, they come from different kids, come from different homes as well. And um, you might find that one child comes from a family that affirms them a lot, you know, on a daily, and they know this and they know this and they perform better. Whereas you find kids who are not affirmed, not only affirmed, they don't even maybe they even had childhood at homes, you know, you, you never know these yeah. things, there's like yeah. a lot going on and the amount of change a teacher can make in a person's life is tremendous, like, for example, I have a, t- I had a teacher, Mrs. Kumalo, I did not like languages, I was a better child who was like, okay, why am I not doing <laughs> in school and whatever, and then this one time, like, where she, she was still doing like my markings and everything and everything and everything. She really told me, she said to me, you are such a brilliant writer. And at that time, I didn't even think I could write because for me, I was just writing and I was just writing. And like today, all I do is write. Like I love writing. And when I whenever I write, I feel I feel like I'm confronting so many of my childhood traumas. So she wasn't even aware like by just saying that she healed me in so many ways. And so I was like, please wrap it up for us. Your best experience and advice to people who want to pursue the profession that you're in?
1: Um, for me, I I think again, I I wanted to show you all something so cool. But I'm gonna start off with again, I've had an incredible teaching journey, an incredible teaching journey. When I walked in, I'm a relationship type of person. Um, I because I love people, um, if I connect with you, we can do work, right? And so the first thing was. I wanted to build lifelong relationships. I knew I teach agricultural science, but I knew from day one that this was bigger than agricultural sciences. And I've been able to do that. Um, my first, I'll tell you, I went to—I went hiking in 2020 and I went with my old, old, old students. And we, we still have like, that has been, but I wanted to show you something. I was thinking there's been so many cool moments, but the first thing is the fact that um, even just yesterday, I had a coffee with one of my 2018 matric students and they all grown and I still get miss Tulo what must I do own calls but I want to show you this picture probably it's a picture of me and my kids um so what they did for this is my one class another big I think I won't ever forget this it was my birthday um and what they then did on my birthday was I love pink my House is pink. My whole house is painted pink, by the way. (laughs) Um, And so what my grade 11 class did for me, it's my register class. um, During break time, unaware, I get a call, Miss Tula, Miss Tula, there's two boys from your class fighting. I run to the computer room because they were in the computer room. I'm thinking if the kids are fighting in the computer room, those computers are going to be on the floor. And it's my kids. And I have to account for why were my big children fighting in the computer room? I get in the computer room and the whole computer room is all pink and it's a happy birthday Miss Chulo and this picture was my birthday gift and if I say to you I wept like a 5 year old I wept I wept I was it was the the paper cups were pink the the there were pink balloons everywhere there were it was so pink and I felt so touched by the effort and I felt so touched by the love and I think that was a very, very big moment. But and another thing that was been so special is I work in a boarding school now. Um, the I was on TV a couple of weeks ago and I had a TV interview. And they tell me, and I saw the videos of them sitting in their pyjamas waiting to see me go on TV. And if I said to you, I cried my eyes out. Um, they were so I hear the story that um, in the study hall, the plug wasn't working. And that everyone was bringing the extension cables to join from their rooms just to be able to see it. And I just remember thinking, well, that has been just. And when I came back to school on that Monday, I couldn't teach because they wanted to know everything. They wanted to, and it was just like, but and and the, the excitement in their eyes. And I think for me, my teaching career has really been. I've really poured myself. I think part of the reason the girl is single is I'm really <laughs> I, in the, especially in the first couple of years of my teaching career, I lived at work. I poured everything into the learners, everything. Now I've had to learn to have boundaries. I've had to learn to have boundaries because it, it did get a little bit unhealthy where I would pour everything into the learners. I teach everything and then some, which it sounds beautiful. It sounds noble, but it is unhealthy. Um, and so in the beginning, I would pour myself out and I'd pour everything, but I've seen the rewards. And I think one of the matric students, when they left in the matric speech, they said, Miss Tulo, you have Maya Angelou'd me. Um, and it was the most, knowing how much I value Maya Angelou and knowing how I look at her. And so my teaching career has been, um, I've been intentional about it. I was intentional from day one. Um, I, unlike maybe Tato, and um, I am uh, ready to leave. <laughs> I'm ready to leave, um, and not because it's horrible, and not because, but simply because I feel um, like it felt like it was a, a calling for a season. It really felt like I had to do this, and I had to, I had to start here. And exactly like Tato said, I'm a better Bali. I'm a better friend. I'm a better human because my journey started in the classroom, it can really come to an end now. Girl, is okay. It's been good. I can go now. But I really, it has been, when I'm 90 years old and I'm a billionaire, come on. And I'm, you know, wherever I am in the world, I won't forget what this experience has done for my heart and what it's done for my character. I won't forget what it's taught me. And I probably will be a better mother because I was a teacher. Um, And interesting, when I started, I thought thought I'd have a big relationship with the girls, right? And I thought, and in the beginning, and the way, and I wasn't sure how I was going to relate to the boys. Also, because I was so young when I started, but to watch how the boys gravitate towards me. I said to the boys the other day, do you know I'm your teacher? Like, I feel like you think I'm one of your homies. Like, it's a, it's, it's a, where my social media is filled with pictures of my kids and us throwing gang signs and us doing TikTok dances. I'm that teacher. I'm that teacher, so I, Paul, I don't have boundaries, girl. Y'all got to teach me. I'm that, like, like uh, my social media is us and my students doing to, um, like, when I said I am the chaos, I am, but more than anything else, I really feel I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a better human and I know I'm a better human. I'm a smarter human. I am because of the children that I've taught and this has been amazing. And if anybody's sitting going, should I do this, should I not? if you go in, even if you start off with, I'm only doing this for the money, those kids will change you. Those kids will change you. Even if you start off doing and you're like, "Um, uh, yeah, I I just did it because I needed a job. Those children will change your life. So to everyone who says, so it's better, it will be a better journey if you come in with the passion already. That's it.
0: Yo, guys, like I've, (laughs) you. He has been dropping bars on bars on bars on bars on bars, and I I strongly believe that it's not by chance that it had to be you guys specifically, like um, within this conversation. Because as it stands, people really like, especially young people, they're starting to to like passion about the the educational space and the educational sector because of things like that. But it's so nice to to still find people who are still young and actually very passionate and can easily speak boldly from their hearts that yes i might i might have i might not have come in with these intentions but then um, i've learned how to be a better person i've learned this from it's, it's not just centered around me 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 it's also like what you've drawn from from the kids as well and guys with that being said thank you so much and i wish you all the best my Angelou you can't leave now okay don't leave the kids now like stop <laughs> and then like thank you so much for being genuine throughout this entire conversation I wish you guys all the best whether you stay in teaching or not it doesn't even have to just be in a classroom could be elsewhere but I can surely tell and I can I can definitely feel that it is it is really a a, a passion for you guys and the people couldn't make it today Terrence and Annalise apologize deeply for not being able to make it but surely we'll be having more conversations surrounding this because i am so excited to share this episode with like everyone because wow i've I've, I've really learned a lot and i might just sign up for a teaching degree you know <laughs> but anyways guys thank you so much for dedicating your time today i don't know if, if peter wants to say anything because he's been quiet the entire time but from my side thank you so much for for availing yourselves like this goes um to, to to a greater future as well not just now i mean like it's going to be years down the line and people are still going to be referring to this content so thank you so much guys and i'm ready to buy your book sisters please invoice me your book there <laughs> i want to be a black parent and i want to check out your youtube channel and you tato you stopped writing i know you used to write also and you used to host lives so please get back to that but thank you so much guys for every single thing have a great day